I started looking into this story when I was reading an article about vaccine legislation a couple weeks ago. In the article, there was a link to a site where you could look up the vaccination rates in kindergarten classrooms across California. My elementary school, Walter Hayes, was listed as having more than 95% vaccinated. Addison and Duvenek, over 98%. But for some other schools in Santa Clara, the 2016 numbers didn't look so good. One school that particularly stood out to me was San Jose Christian School, where only 48% of kindergartners had up-to-date vaccinations in the 2016-17 school year. Less than half. So I went to SJCS to try and figure out what was going on. The administrator I met with told me this was a problem a couple years back, but not anymore. This year, every single SJCS kindergartner was fully vaccinated. Not only this, but while two years ago there were a number of parents outspoken about being anti-vax, this community had ceased to exist at the school this year. The administrator told me that the cause of all of this, the change in attitude and the shift in numbers, were all due to SB 277. Around two years ago, California passed a bill which made it have some of the strictest laws in the nation regarding vaccines. California, along with West Virginia and Mississippi, do not allow religious or personal vaccine exemptions for students in schools. But what confused me was, after the law change, it's clear that anti-vax parents didn't just change their minds and cease to exist. So in cases like SJCS, what happened to these families? To try and answer this question, I went to an online forum called Vaccine-Free Parenting. Going through posts in this group, it seemed like every parent had the same question I did. How can I keep not vaccinating my kid? What are the options that I have? I chose to interview one woman, Miss Smith, after I stumbled across one of her comments on the forum. Just a note, Miss Smith isn't her actual name. She requested that I changed it for the story. After SB 277 passed, um, what were kind of all of the options that you considered for your family? Um, really just leaving the state. That was my really my only option. Mm-hmm. In part of the comment that I found, Miss Smith wrote that moving to Nevada was the only way she saw to fully protect her daughter. To me, this seemed really severe, but Miss Smith's personal experience with vaccinations is a little more complicated than many other anti-vaxxers in California. Well, I have lived my um, almost my entire life with a se- severe vaccine injury, mm-hmm. so I was a year old when they gave me the DPT the day of the shot. Um, I spiked a very high fever. I went into convulsions. Um, I got encephalitis, which is brain swelling. Mm-hmm. Was in the hospital for five days convul- with convulsions. And once the swelling went down, things were somewhat normal again but at four years old they gave me the booster shot to go into school mm-hmm. and from that point on I have had seizures. After her experience Miss Smith decided to become a certified vaccine education specialist. I've you know I've known all my life that vaccines are dangerous because of what happened to me. But when I found out I was expecting my daughter 15 years ago, um, I knew 
that I needed to take precautions and I needed to do what, whatever had to be done to keep her safe. And so that's when I really started my quest with vaccines and learning all I could. And the more I learned, the sicker it made me. And I just, I'm at the point where I can't stay silent about it because too many children are being harmed for life or killed. Throughout the interview, which lasted a little under an hour, Ms. Smith gave me a number of facts and reasons which explained why she believed vaccines were wrong. I believe that vaccines cause more problems than they help. And I do not believe that vaccines eradicated anything. I actually believe that the outbreaks that we are having are directly related to the vaccines. When all these tests were being done for autism and the link, and they were there, the link was there, mm-hmm. um, they covered it up and they got rid of all the evidence. It's not sudden infant death syndrome. It's sudden immunization death syndromes. I really do believe that God, our creator, <laughs> gave us the perfect immune system mm-hmm. and our bodies were made to fight off diseases and illnesses and stuff. And I don't believe in herd immunity. I believe that is all a bunch of bogus lies Mm -hmm. because it's the vaccines that are keeping these, these things going. There's aborted babies used in making vaccinations, and I'm not okay with that. There were 80 babies aborted to make that vaccination. I don't think that's safe. Putting someone else's DNA or even the cells and the DNA from a male or a female into the opposite sex. Stuff from animals and aborted children that um, are dangerous and they're not, they're not intended to go into someone's body. Mm-hmm. What they know to be right and what they're doing are two different things. No one will ever change my mind on the safety or need of vaccines. Now that she lives in Nevada, Miss Smith has no difficulty getting her daughter out of vaccinations. In, in California, your only option is medical exemption. Here in Nevada, I have a religious exemption right. And so all I have to do is walk into the district office, tell them I want a religious exemption. They hand me a piece of paper. I put my daughter's name and date of birth in there, and I sign it. They stamp it, and I take it to the office and give it to them, and no questions are asked. Miss Smith has lived in communities with strong networks of anti-vaxxers her whole life, so I asked her about what her friends back in California were doing now that vaccines had become mandatory in schools. You know, a lot of people, they do what they have to do Mm -hmm. to stick with their their um, plans to not vaccinate their kids and some people will go get medical exemptions some people will just homeschool mm-hmm. what is your advice to families in california who don't have the option of moving um but want to continue to be vaccine free parents do everything within your power to get your medical exemption some parents if they have the resources can pay to have a doctor write a medical exemption for their child. On one of the anti-vax websites I visited, there was a link to a clinic where you could have a doctor write a medical exemption for you. 
right in the middle of the website. So I contacted the head doctor. He declined my interview in a multi-paragraph email where he referenced me to chapters of his books and told me that multinational corporations were manipulating us. At the end of the email, he told me, and I quote, I have already said enough to put a target on my back and it is there. Just don't want to go out of my way to remind anyone that I am still alive and kicking. Because SB 277 has only recently gone into effect, there isn't much data published yet to see the full effect of this legislation. But a recent Los Angeles Times article showed that the number of kindergartners with medical exemptions quadrupled in the 2017-18 school year. And in some California counties, independent schools have seen an increase of unvaccinated homeschooled students taking public classes. So now that SB 277 has passed, um, do you think that the families trying to work around the vaccinations are a threat to public safety? Oh, that's a hard one. I know we're starting to see some early numbers in terms of the kind of fraud that's going on, and that's just never a good idea, in my opinion. Um, so it's hard to uh, assess the degree of public health threat without really understanding the numbers that people were talking about. The threat exists in very hyper-local areas. So in the past, there have been these uh, geographic areas that have high concentrations of unimmunized children. Those are the areas that are really prone to outbreak and pose the most significant public health threats. Yeah, women who contract these things during pregnancy definitely affect uh, their fetus and uh, people with compromised immune systems, which are a lot of people, not just people undergoing chemotherapy or people with immune compromised diseases, but people taking medications that compromise their immune systems, as well as elderly people and very young people. And so we have a large group of people in our communities uh, who are vulnerable. And um, we know that when you um, have rates of high immunization uh, coverage, that uh, the threats to all everyone in the community is much lower. Uh, children who have compromised immune systems who are in public schools have the right to be safe. And they have the right to um, not be exposed to infectious diseases that we know we can prevent. And that is the law in California. This is Dr. Chamberlain, a pediatrician and professor at Stanford. Not only was Dr. Chamberlain very involved in getting SB 277 passed, she has also worked and spoke to a number of anti-vaxxers throughout her career. I absolutely think that we need to continue to hold ourselves medicine accountable to push things further and to understand. I would love for us to understand uh, how we could predict who would have a reaction to a vaccine. I would love for us to make vaccines, you know, even more safe and effective than they are. I love the idea of people challenging the status quo. That is not a problem. Um, but I think we have to agree on data and facts. So why do you think it's so easy for people to get convinced that vaccines are dangerous and bad? You know, I don't think it's easy to convince people. I think if it was easy to convince people they were dangerous and bad, we wouldn't see really high vaccine coverage rates, which we do. There is a very small, very vocal group of people that have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. For those people, um, it's, it's very difficult to convince them otherwise. How we're going to coexist with uh, the new legislation is something we're all figuring out.
Dr. Chamberlain referred me to an immunologist to fact check some of the information that Ms. Smith gave me. It is true that some vaccines are grown in animal cells, but the vaccine is always purified before use, so there's never actually any animal cells going inside you. And Ms. Smith is right that some vaccines are grown in fetal tissue from abortions, but her numbers were off. There are five vaccines grown in cell lines that stem from human embryos, but the cells have been grown in a culture since the 1960s and are never replenished with new tissue. These cells originated from only two abortions, one in Britain and one in Sweden. And again, the vaccine is purified, so there are no cells in the actual shot. There have been no reputable studies that have found a link between autism and vaccinations, but it's one of the most widely believed myths regarding vaccines. The condition that Ms. Smith had was rare at the time she was vaccinated, but today it's even more uncommon because of advancements in the DTP vaccine. On the Centers for Disease Control's website, Having a seizure after getting the DTaP vaccine is listed as a problem for 1 in 14,000 children. But lifetime seizure complications are now so rare that the CDC says it's hard to tell if the vaccine is ever the cause. So while I understand Ms. Smith's fear, I think that the message she's using her story to tell is the wrong one. By convincing people around her to stop vaccinating, she's not helping children but hurting them, like the way that she was hurt when she was young. So while SB277 was a step in the right direction, we will continue to have problems if there's easy loopholes for parents. The thing about this issue is that everyone, on both sides, wants what's best for their children. So I really hope that the parents of the students at San Jose Christian School change their minds. Because if those parents really want what's best for not only their children, but for the community as a whole, they'll understand that the new policy is in everyone's best interest.